This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it is completely free. So join today at www.bonsai.film. It takes just a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our biweekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails, just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need. And if you ever tire of Indie Insights, simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights for free. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my good friend and co-founder with me, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Chris, I'll do just that. What's up, folks? <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Hey, good to be back. Guess good to what? be back. What's up? It's 2023. It is. It is like blink of an eye, right? 2022. Yeah. I got to stop writing that on stuff. Have you been doing that? <laughs> No, because I don't write anything anymore. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you know, in, 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 you, in school, you used to write it on the top of your paper, and now you just, you don't write it anymore. It's just time, everything time stamps itself. Yeah, it's funny, because there is an age in which you just stop making that mistake. Like, yeah. I can't rem- remember the last time the year flipped and I put the wrong year. Like, I think the older you get, the more brutally aware you are that time has passed. And, you, and the time is like, a thing. <laughs> yeah, you're super. When you're younger, it's like, oh, did a year pass? I didn't notice. You notice all the years passing now, and that's right. You know, that's kind of right. the theme of this conversation because this is an indie talk, indeed. But it's the first indie talk of 23, and we really can't like fully invest ourselves into 2023. We really can't put both bonsais in so to speak. Uh, <laughs> until two we, in, bro. Yeah. Until we address <laughs> 2022 in the year that was for the make it podcast and for bonsai. And wait, wait, you, you did say address, right? Mm. Okay. I, I just, I yeah. making sure you didn't say undress 2020. I was just we making sure that's all we did that in 2022. <laughs> right. That's how good of a year it was. We undressed that thing. 
That's right. We did. That's right. That's right. We got a little. Got little, it down to its natural weird. form. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got nasty in 2022. There you go. We seduced. Yeah, we did a lot though. We 2022. Did a lot. 100%. 100%. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're saying. I'm with you. We held 2022's good. hand, walked it into the bedroom, and said, "Don't be doing it now." <laughs> right. We were. Yeah. 2022. It was like a pure flex year. Mm. Pure flicks. Some, mm. We had some Tosca <laughs> Musk, maybe some passion flicks in there. There you That's go. There you go. There so, it is. Uh, not to beat that joke into the ground like we just did, but um, <laughs> we did. Have there's a, no one to stop us. Yeah, that's, we, that's what there's happened. no one to. Yeah, we. You know, we did have a great year though. Like when you really look at um, the year, people will say, and you'll hear the cliche like, "Oh, time flies," or even the optimistic version of that, which is Tom flies when you're having fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this year, at least for me, 2022 did not feel like a fast year. It felt like a full year. It felt like this is a year. And I think that's because every day presented itself with a new adventure, a new challenge, um, you know, all that stuff. Um, And if you look at, if you look at um, some of our guests and look at some of the contributions we made to film, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, yeah, there was a lot. Let, was let a, me ask you this. Full year. Does, does Bridget Willer or Nick Frangioni feel like we interviewed them 11 months ago or 11 <laughs> years ago? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it feels like a minute yeah it feels like a minute i think especially on that nick frangione but you know there were so many great conversations in 2022 there were so many you know folks that came on with the mistakes in the making you know to drop that real truth real advice real lessons learned like it was just, it was a full year right and you know you and i both have kind of been through it you know we went back through it and kind of looked through some of those things and it, it is really meaningful and impactful. Like all of those conversations had gems in them, right? There's not one conversation where we had, where we were like, ah, we didn't get anything out of that. Like, no, yeah. every last one gems were dropped. Yeah. The, it, you know, every year we kind of pick the, um, you know, interviews that stuck out to us, these interview comments, maybe that stuck out to us podcast moments. Yeah. Maybe one year we'll do like a clip show, but that's not, a referendum on how we feel about everyone else that didn't get picked in no way right. whatsoever. Like every interview we had brought something really cool or original to the table that we didn't know before we interviewed them. It's just this thing of like, I think if you just let the year pass, then you, you lose something because you just kind of let it pass. You didn't stay, stop for even just a moment to sort of ingest what you just did. You, there's no reflection. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important for us to have an indie talk like today where we can reflect on it and, and actually say, who did we interview last year? Oh, wow. <laughs> right. we, you know, we had, you know, we had Leslie Raymond and Sarah Klein, who was amazing and the amazing Rick page. And, you know, Todd Luby was like a sleeper episode. We had, you know, Tiffany Murray. We, we did a onsite one uh, interview with Josh um, Croft and Aaron Irons and, and then the, the diversity of people, PR agents like Amy uh, uh, Preener and, and AJ 
Well, you know, that hasn't come out yet, but we did interview AJ as well. (laughs) But we did interview. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a lot of, you know, we interviewed stars from around the world. Zaire Montez, uh, for example, uh, we had, uh, who was it? Uh, Florencia Lozano. Florencia Lozano. Yep. We look at you with your pronunciation. That's amazing. Oh yeah. You know how I do it. Siobhan Lynn. Siobhan Lynn coming, not out yet, but coming. We interviewed her. That's right. That's right. And then the festivals, Swift Summit, uh, the Whistleblower uh, Summit and Film Festival. That felt like that was 10 years ago. That was just six months ago. It does actually. It feels like it's so long ago. (laughs) Right. Um, The Five Film Festival with the great Billy Sinise and and Dicey Wildman. Uh, Fayetteville Film Festival. Um, and, and of course, nap. So just NAP, working yep. those festivals and, and the consults. Yeah. It's been, it's been a great 2022. Um, but on the other side of it, I think there's been some time for reflection on who we lost in 2022. Right. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it, it's, it continues to be, you know, a tough year, like every year is like that. And I think, you know, you mentioned age, right? Like as we yeah. get older, as we get older, the folks in film and in entertainment and in sports, like all of these areas, like the people we admire, the people that we wanted to grow up to be, they're moving on right in their lives as well. So like the great Sidney Poitier. Oh yeah. Right. Like, yeah, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that happened this past year. You know, I've got, um, you know, one of my favorite comics when I was a kid is actually Gallagher. Uh, you know, <laughs> controversial, you know, had, but yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Gallagher was one of my favorites. Um, you know, one of the ones that kind of hit my house, you know, a little bit hard because, you know, my, my kids were into Fuller House, of course, is Bob Saget. Right. So Bob Saget left us. And, you know, now my kids are Saget. watching, you know, AFV, you know, America's Funniest Videos, which he was the host of so long ago. Right. When we were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're seeing these people pass. I mean, I've got um, Bob McGrath, you know, a lot of people don't know that name, but he's from Sesame Street. Right. And if you were to see his face, you'd be like, oh, you know, like I remember him. He's part of my childhood, you know, but yeah. that's just the thing. He's part of our childhood. Right. And he was older than us then. And it was just it's time. You know, time does this. Uh, we had Kirstie Alley pass. Um, some folks that are even outside of film, you know, I, I'm still thinking about Grant Wall, you oh, know, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, this the soccer journalist who passed. And of course, Pele, the great Pele, you know, recently passed. I mean, it's and the it's sad one thing of these about things, Pele right? and and even to not to interject too much, yeah. Grant Wall to to a lesser extent, but the sad thing about it is soccer isn't in a place of prominence yet in the US. And I don't feel like they were honored the way they should have been. Like it felt like Pele mm-hmm. died and we like moved on in less than a day, like as a culture yeah, in the U S and then outside the U S right. there were like parades and, you know, obviously people really saddened by it, but right. it's, it's just too bad. I know soccer is going to get here and I predicted that a long time ago. And I think the driver of that, and I know this isn't film related, but whatever, the driver of that is mothers. Mothers decide what sports their kids play. And ever since it's been very clear that football at its highest level cares more about image and money than about the safety of their players, they're getting better and they have to react that way because if they didn't, it'd be over in 20 years. 
this thing, this literally happened in baseball. When I was a kid, baseball was by far America's biggest sport. And they had steroids, they had strikes, they had um, they had this weird pay system where there's obvious advantage to big market teams over small market teams. That's why you see the Yankees and the Dodgers always playing for titles. And it's really hard for the Montreal Blue Jays or whatever, or <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, Toronto, yeah. uh, Montreal Expos. So like, like it, like it destroyed the game, right? And now you have just home runs being hit. It's either home run or nothing. And that destroyed the game. And so the alternative that mothers are doing in America that I'm seeing mothers do even in the South in America is, Oh, I'm not putting my son in football. I'm putting them in soccer. And cause the girls were already going because of the success of the U S women's team. And so in 20 years, I think soccer will be as big here as it, um, as it might be in other countries. Yeah. Well, to bring it all back, what they're going to need is another grant wall. Um, you know, because he was definitely a, a, a speaker box, you know, for the sport. So, you know, again, we miss him. Um, but a couple others, I'll just kind of like list really quick. And then there's one that I want to touch on on the end. Um, but we lost Barbara Walters. We lost Kevin Conroy. who was a vo- the voice of Batman. Uh, Leslie Jordan. Legend. Yep. Angela Lansbury. Loretta Ooh, Lynn. Legend. We lost Coolio. Um, we lost Anne Heche. Um, Tony Dow. You know, Wally and the Beef. Oh, yeah. It right? is yeah. Wally. Um, you know, a, a name that, you know, everyone will know. We lost Queen Elizabeth II. Yep. Right. And yeah. um, and Nichelle Nichols, who was Ura in yep. the um, Star Trek. But the one that I wanted to to kind of end with here, again, there's this is just a, you know, some of the people that we lost. Of course, there's there's so many more across film and entertainment and industry and all these things. Uh, but the one that's hit home, I know that it's has hit my family potentially even more than the Bob Saget one is actually the fact that we lost Twitch boss. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and because Twitch is, um, you know, he, he's just one of these personalities that is is bigger than life, mm-hmm. you know, loved by everybody. And the fact that or the notion that that he took his own life. Yeah. Is, you know it's unbelievable in some ways, it right? Like he's right because he just, you had just seen the video with him and his family for Christmas. Right. It, yeah. It, you can't always tell what's going on in someone's life. There are a lot of conspiracy theor- theories out there. I don't want to go into that, but, right. but if you looked at him outwardly, yeah, he looked completely happy. And um, I also just want to one footnote on Loretta Lynn, the documentary and she was featured in with Tanya Tucker, who was her best friend. She stayed alive just long enough for that thing to, to premiere. And she died the same right. week. I thought that was remarkable yeah. as well. It was because, I mean, basically Loretta, you know, she was sitting there while Tanya was like, this is your song, right? Like that, yeah. you inspired this. And yeah, it, it was amazing. But yeah, back, back to Twitch. I think it's, it's one of those that, you know, you and I have also experienced you know, not in this year, uh, I don't believe, uh, but we have experienced this type of loss, you know, like Twitch, you know, someone that we love, someone that we see as a, a bright light, mm-hmm. you know, taking their own lives. And um, it's just, you know, for us, it's nonsensical. But like you said, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. So I think for me, uh, one of the things that I kind of want to just say to you and to our audience is just like check in on people. Yep. Right. Like that's just the thing. It, it, you don't, you don't know, then they may be fine. Right. It's all good. But like, just do that. That one thing, just checking in on people, seeing how they're doing, just saying, Hey, 
It just shows them you love them. You know, I like think, I think that's at the heart that of our thing. friendship. I think that's at the heart of our friendship is I, I think we both know that we're we're two guys who who are leaders. And I'm not this isn't me, you know, slapping my own self on the ass or you on the ass. I'm saying <laughs> right. we know that, but we check in on each other. And right. I, there are times where I know that you just need to vent. And yep. there are times where you know I just need to vent. And there are times where I hear things in the background and be like, Hey, I'll call you back. And there are times where you hear things in the background. You're like, Nope, I'll call you back. <laughs> and, and, <Yep. laughs> and, and I just, I just think that's great. And look, as a company, you know, we try to do that even with, you know, with our staff, with, the, you know, with people that work with us and for us and around us, but we just check in. Right. And I think it's just so important to keep doing that because you can't just assume that if someone's got it all figured out, just because their outward persona is one of confidence, um, leadership, right. strength, um, exuberance, or, or even wealth. So, uh, but it, transitioning from that, I know we touched on this in a different conversation off the air. Okay. This idea of having black entertainers who are not in the world of killing each other, disrespecting each other's families, calling each other the N word, all that stuff. Like Twitch fell into that for, for me. And I think probably for you as well. And that's one of the big shames of it. And much like last year's wrap up yearly conclusion, indie talk, we're going to invite some guests on, on this conversation. And hopefully one of those guests will be able to expound upon that concept <laughs> A little bit more as as well as talk about what's happening recently here with uh, the Golden Globes and with some other topics that are that are topical. But why not just go ahead and get the guest uh, brigade uh, started? And I like it. A brigade, the brigade. We're being (laughs) brigadooned uh, (laughs) by, by some of our podcast guests. And so we had, wait, 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 are you, are you foisting a guest upon us? I am foisting, I am foisting <laughs> our first of many guests, this conversation upon us. And it's the beautiful. one and only Tracy Hayes. And she was picked. Hey, Trace, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we were just complimenting you. Um, again, this isn't a referendum on all the other wonderful guests we had this year, because everyone taught us something, but Tracy's conversation stuck out. Uh, there were some things she shared that I think inspired just not just women uh, filmmakers and female filmmakers, but everyone. And uh, therefore, yeah. the votes are in. And uh, we thought we'd bring Tracy on for this year in conclusion Hi. conversation. Tracy, what's up? It's so good to see you again. And, and Nicholas, <laughs> it's nice to I, uh, to meet you officially uh, in person or over the internet. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. It's good to formally meet you too. It's awesome to see you. And it's, and it's so cool. And I feel like, you know, I need to go grab a hat. Now I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> you know, Chris got the hat. Tracy's got the hat. <laughs> it's, it's become a bit of a staple, great. you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, I, it's my thing now when I go places and, you know, it's so funny, Chris, I, I was thinking back about our last conversation and you know how we started the or we ended our conversation. You mm-hmm. had asked like what, um, you know, where, what country or place I wanted to go next. And right. I actually went to one of the places we talked about this what? year, which was, uh, Lucerne, Switzerland. Wow. So, 
I uh, bought a new hat. <laughs> you, bought a hat. You, you bought it there? You bought a hat in Switzerland. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I think it's genius what you're doing with the hats, by the way. Like, I, I know I it's kind of, too. I know, I don't want this to come off as superficial at all because just as branding and marketing guys, like, it sets you apart. Like, you walk in the room, oh, that's Tracy because mm-hmm. I see the hat and I see the hair. Yeah. Right, like no, yeah. I, I even just, like the pop kinda, of red, like the pop of red. If that became like a thing you do on, all the time, it's like a uniform. Yeah. It's like the Tracy Hayes uniform. Yeah, the the red is. This is not. Um, yeah, normally I'm in black or gray, but this is. Mm. I decided to change it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, awesome. Twenty twenty three. Let's do so, it. No, I'm excited, yeah. you guys. <laughs> Me, we are as well. Right, Chris, and, and just to, just to let the just to let the audience in. We are going to uh, play the quote or one of the quotes of many that uh, stuck out to us and to our audience. And we're going to ask producer Elise to, to play that for us. So uh, take it away, producer Elise, and uh, let Tracy hear what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, my voice. And then the second piece of advice uh, I actually read in a book this past year by Matthew McConaughey called Green Lights. Fantastic, fantastic autobiography. And he said, it just really, really just out of anything, I really took to heart this, which was you have to know who you are before you know what you want to say. Knowing who you are is the basis for where everything comes from. Beautifully put. Is there any... Um, anything you would expound upon hearing that back after all these many months? I mean, I still, that still is impactful to me. It's, you know, I think that it's still something um, you're constantly checking in. You're like, I'm constantly checking in with myself about which is like all the decisions that you make about your instinct and all the different choices you make and how you spend your time. I'm always checking in about like, is this ultimately informed, you know, is this, it's it all, I guess all aspects of my year have been like informing, you know, informing your voice, your point of view. And no, I, I, I definitely, that's the quote I will still, still stands out. <laughs> all right. Now, Chris, I've got, I got two, two questions for Tracy on that one. Go for it. Go for it. All right. So the first one's going to be a fun one. Okay. All right. Spell McConaughey. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Don't do it. I, don't, don't worry I'm about it. I'm not gonna don't. do it. I can't do this over the line. Don't now. do it. Don't do it. Nobody can spell McConaughey. <laughs> it's like spell Nobody. vacuum backwards. Good luck oh, with gosh. that. All right, all right, no. all right. So, so the real question is, you know, so I love that quote too, right? I really do because it's it, it, like you said, it is very impactful. Uh, but it asks you, you know, to to check in on on. You have to know who you are, right? So mm-hmm. Chris mentioned something earlier about your brand, right, and how people can see you and see that brand. So my question to you would be, who are you? Uh, in regards to just um, my life as an artist, all of the above, or that's it, right? Because you have to know who you are before you know how to put that voice out there in the world, right? Before you know what that voice is going to be, you have to know who you are. So that's my question to you. When you really kind of sit back with that quote, that's what stuck to me. Like I actually sat with that and said, well, wow, who am I? And I don't know if that's a question that most of us ask ourselves, 
or even get asked, right? So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit, right? I love it. Let's do it. So like, so, so yeah. So who is yeah. Tracy Hayes? Tracy Hayes is a, uh, grew up as a t- dyslexic tomboy who had a bunch of, you know, had a couple of open heart surgeries and ultimately found her voice through all these difficulties and disabilities and challenges and arrived at uh, this point in her career where she finally decided to take a risk on herself and do something that she always wanted to do, but didn't, you know, felt like if she deviated from, you know, what I was doing so well in the business at the time, you know, to really pursue what I felt always called to, which was telling stories. And I think that I'm still, it's still a process, like who I like figuring out who you are. I think it changes. I think who I was in my twenties is very different to now who I am in my thirties and it'll be different in my forties. But I do feel like I start to give less of a SHIT about yeah. what people think the older I get. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. And I'm like, so like, and I, I just don't, I would, I would say preface that was just some of the things I like that sort of kid, like naivety of like, just excitement about like when you're first starting out, like that's something I want to kind of, I always want to harness and remember and like check in on myself to make sure I'm still having fun. Cause like, what's the point? <laughs> like it's so right. hard. <laughs> yep. So that's yeah. awesome. And it's, it's funny because Chris, didn't you just say that about the twenties and the thirties? Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're not that same person anymore. You know what we were saying, Tracy, is that like, how many years has it been since you make the mistake of like putting the wrong year? like on new year's where it's like, Oh, you write the date down. It's like you wrote the last year. And I just realized it had been yeah. like a really long time since I made that mistake because the older you get and the more aware you are, how much time you have left. Like you just don't <laughs> make that mistake. Like you, you're super aware of the time, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I feel like, I feel like you just drop numbers off of your age that you, you that, that goes backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And like, there's like, a great what? aphorism that says, uh, aging doesn't become relevant until one starts talking about aging. Like, so you don't age actually until you talk about your age. You start aging. <laughs> so I just, I'm just trying to keep the old man out, you know, like, yeah. I, yeah. But you know, when, when I was younger, I just fumbled through years. Like, okay, the year passed. And then you would make that mistake, that writing mistake where you'd put the old year. I am curious about 2022 yeah. for you though. Like, what if you had to sum it all the way down? What are you going to remember about 2022 outside of your podcast appearance, of course? <laughs> of course. Highlight. Um, it, it was a, it was about uh, continuing the momentum that I had started out my years, you know, with um, just with taking my first feature and premiering it in February. Um, or Valentine's Day, frankly, um, and then just kind of keeping that momentum and, and, you know, getting getting in those rooms and talking to those people and having those connections and growing as a person, as an artist. And so that was, I felt that that ultimately did happen. And um, I'm, you know, now currently in post-production on my second feature. So wow. that uh, year of the momentum. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's the 2022, the year of momentum. I like yeah. 
I love it. <laughs> it was. And I, I told uh, Nick in this audience earlier that I just feel like the year was not a short one. A lot of people feel like time flies. I feel like 22 was a full ass year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and yeah. it gives you time to sort of, you know, make those adjustments and make those gains and get that momentum going into the end of 23, which I guess leads us to the obvious, which is what's on tap for this year. What, what should we look out for? Yeah, uh, I am very, I'm so excited. This, this next film that I had the opportunity to direct, um, in, in Atlanta, actually in November, it's so fun. It's a, it's a super dark comedy (laughs) with elements Mm -hmm. of a thriller and it's, I say the title might change. So, but it's tentatively titled delusional dance mom. And it's ridiculous as it does sound. It's, very over the top in the best way possible, starring um, Tamin uh, Sersik, that amazing, beautiful, talented um, Australian actress who was in Pretty Little Liars, um, mm. among a million other shows. And yeah, it's coming out in the spring. It'll be on Tubi. Wow. So, so it's, it's, it's in post Very now. excited. It's in post production. Yep. Yep. Currently, in the, the next couple of months, we'll, we'll, I'll have. I don't have a release date yet, but mm-hmm. delusional dance mom. Yeah. It's, it definitely gets, it sort of reminded me. I, I was inspired by mean girls and never mm-hmm. been kissed and all the John yeah. films. And, and that was a big influence. Clueless, all those great eighties and nineties coming of age, whack, you know, fun, fun high school movies. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm that's, that's what's on tap right for the, the immediate future. Are and you then, spending every day um, in the editing bay now? Virtually, I am. I am. I am. Yes, it's been interesting. It's been a lot of um, Zoom meetings like like this, and chatting with different people in different departments. A lot of emailing. Uh, it's not as glamorous. <laughs> it's not as. Uh, I wish it was more in the room, but um, it's just the way this one worked out. And but it's coming together really well. So editing's a grind because at some point you stop seeing the flaw. It's uh, there's like a phenomenon in music where if you listen to someone sing flat long enough, they sound on key, they stop sounding flat. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the same thing happens in the edit room where you're just like, I'm not seeing this the way I should be seeing it. It's become normalized to me. The beats are normalized. I need to go take a walk mm-hmm. for two hours and I need to come yeah, back. I was going to say, you got to walk away. You yeah. Walk with away. fresh eyes. And then, yeah. and then yeah. you can pick up on, that pace you were trying to go for and the, and the speed of the cuts you were going for. So, you know, with all yeah. of that, we wish you amazing luck. We thank you so much thank for spending you. a little time with us again on the make of it course. podcast. No and, problem. Uh, obviously when the movie comes out, we should consider a round two and you coming back on one of these indie talks that. as our guests, uh, as our guest yeah. and uh, maybe even doing one of our mistakes in the making as well, mistakes. which uh, I think are so valuable for, indie creatives and indie filmmakers because they're hearing directly from you and me and Nick step out of the picture, you know, like let's just hear from Tracy solo about this. So again, thank oh you so gosh. much. No, thanks for having, of course. I'm so, it's a pleasure to finally meet you, Nick. And, and, you know, I'm just giving back as in the same way that I listen to, you know, podcasts and, and panels. And I learned so much, you know, it's that constant, you know, back and forth. So. That's right. This is a community. So let's just keep doing what we do, you know, sharing the love. If you make it in Nashville, you get get a key to the city. Just remember. Okay.
<laughs> Love it. No, but I'm so, thank you guys for having me. And I think, um, you know, it's just this year I'm, I'm just so excited and, and want to keep tabs on you guys and what you're up to and, and all, and, uh, all the new episodes I'm sure you'll be recording. You're awesome. a beautiful person. Love awesome. We'll, we'll do the same. Talk <laughs> to you soon. All right. Take it easy, you guys. All right, bye. Bye. That was awesome. She's so cool. She's yeah, so cool. Insane. That was awesome. Gotta love the hats, bro. Gotta love yeah, the hats. I love the hats. I love that she awesome. markets herself. Um, we should we should foist another guest on our on our audience right now. And this I, one I might think seem kind of obvious it's, uh because yeah, but it's ripe for the foisting. Yeah, it is right to right for the foisting. <laughs> and and this particular guest, I mean, he looked into my soul. He looked deep into my soul during he, our conversation. He did, he did look he, in your soul. He <laughs> He was able to pull out all of my insecurities and yet make me feel empowered at the same time. And we're mm-hmm. talking about none other than the great Dr. Mark Goulston. So, Mark, welcome back to the Make It Podcast. Well, thank you for having me back on. So when I looked in your soul, what did I come up with? <laughs> you have to tell me. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you have to, like, I, but I could tell you, you were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and he explained it to you at the beginning, right? He's like, that's what he does. He locks eyes. And once he has locked eyes, then he can understand. You will give him what it is he needs to understand you. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. It. Really, it really was. And the thing that I take away or that I remember, well, I shouldn't say it that way. I remember so many things about the conversation. It was really yep. quite, you know, difficult to pull just one quotable or one powerful thing mark that you said you know in that conversation but the thing i should say i appreciate when looking back on that interview and in that conversation is that you gave us that extra time uh, i thought mm-hmm. you had to be out of there in an hour hour five and you gave me the nod to keep going and we ended up with that incredible oj simpson story and a bunch of other yeah. really <laughs> wonderful anecdotes from your life that uh, I think really made the interview and our audience felt the same. And so you're here uh, with us on our year in conclusion episode. And I want to ask producer Elise to jump back on and play one of those memorable audio clips from our conversation. I have a health issue, which is going to shorten my life. Hopefully not by that much, but uh, everything I do has to matter. I don't have time to waste. That's the one. Yeah, exactly. It was really difficult to pull just one, but I think that that revelation just stopped me in my tracks and it was put so simply, but it was incredibly powerful because of its simplicity. And it was a reminder for me. And I think for this audience that that you shouldn't take your time for granted especially creatively, you have to get moving, you have to get going and knowing that you, your life could be shortened due to a health issue. Just, it heightened it. And it was such a great revelation. So um, how are you doing? And is there anything you could expound upon hearing yourself back for the first time, maybe in that conversation? Well, I got good news from my doctor. So I have time to waste. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. I love yes. that. That's, 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 that
<laughs> so, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been firing on all cylinders. Uh, it's, kind, it's kind of scary. Uh, uh, something I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, I'm a serial creative and I come up with ideas and, and most of the ideas, when people hear them, they'll think, geez, I never would have thought of that. I think that would work. We could do that. And, um, and, but I've never leveraged them because I never had a team. And if you have a, if you have a great idea with a poor team, it's the same as having no idea. Amen. Yep. It's really true. And, and what's happened since we spoke, uh, I really haven't been wasting time and I have several teams on several projects, uh, one I'm excited about is a pilot program for veterans uh, called Take Control of Your Mental Health. And the, uh, uh, the veterans group is very excited about this, so we're going to roll that out. Since we last spoke, a friend of mine who I've become very close to, his 14-year-old son died by suicide five years ago. Mm. And he created a movie called What I Wish My Parents Knew. And he interviewed 10 teenagers and I've been looking for this for 25 years because uh, it's it's mesmerizing. And when parents see it, they go back to their teenagers and they cry and their teenagers say, what's the matter? And parents say, I just realized how much I love you. Yep. And, 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 and here's some insights. If you any of you have teens and know anything about teens or you are a teen or you're a parent, because we've been doing presentations all over the place where we show the 45 minute, what I wish my parents knew. And then Jason talks about his story and what he missed and what he's been trying to learn since his son died by suicide. And then I give a few tips, but something uh, we've been sharing uh, is there's something that we call the five, uh, the five uh, teenage communication killers. And there are five things that teenagers do that trigger their parents to not connect with them. And the five things are they complain, they blame, they make excuses, they make threats, or they're moody. Mm. Think about It'll that. Be on all, all fronts. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, what, and what happens is when, the, when they do that with their parents, their parents get triggered. Well, what's the matter? Nothing leave me alone. Well, maybe you should see someone. I'm fine. Uh, did you do your homework? And so what happens is teenagers do not think they can open up to their parents. Hmm. And when you watch these teenagers, uh, and Jason just said to them, tell me about your low point. Hmm. And they just calmly shared their low point without any complaining, blaming, excuses, threats, or moodiness, and you and you look at them and you say, that's what's going on in my kid. Mm. And some of the parents who watch it say, that was me as a kid. And it's, here's an interesting thing, and I'll ask the two of you. When we do presentations, I'll ask the parents, um, how many of you raise your hand if there were fewer than five times in your entire life with your parents, especially your father, when 
either of you totally opened up honestly and in a raw, exposed, vulnerable way. And three quarters of the audience has raised their hand and said, I can't remember it. <laughs> you know, it's just not yeah. something we talked about. We did things together. And it happened to me, uh, I would say, I can remember two times. My father died in 1995. And here's the thing. We did a lot of activities. But those two times where he opened up to me and I opened up to him, they totally match everything else we did together because that's how powerful it was. Mm -hmm. Yep, I believe it. Is, is that okay that we're talking about this? Yo, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's super powerful. Um, of course. You know, it's funny. I, I wouldn't have been the, one of the people that raised their hand in the audience on that second part, but mostly because me and my father got to go through something together, which was mm. the passing of my mother mm. when I was, I think, only 29 years old. And and he was, he's seven years younger than my mom. So we were both pretty young when this, when this happened and, and we had to lean on each other and the rest of the family. And so therefore we had a good reason, almost, um, almost an experience, this tribal thing that happens when you go through something, you know, difficult together, almost like being in a bunker with, with another person. So we were in the bunker of grief together, if you will. And that allowed us to be close, but I, I'm totally with you. I think that's, that's so on point. I, it makes me think about the coming year and you saw, we, we talked a little bit earlier before you joined about all the people we had lost in 22. What do you see as sort of the, uh, your cultural prediction for this coming year? Are we going to get healthier society? Are we in a bad place as, as a society? Uh, are there anything in particular that you're seeing in your field? Well, um, something I've discovered is that everybody runs away from just feeling the depth of hurt. Hmm rather than just feeling how hurt something feels, they run into activity, they run into eating, they run into anger, they run into whatnot. And, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to change that a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll share something. I mean, I've been married 44 years, I, I have four grandkids. Uh, I'm blessed with my family. And I remember some years ago, you know, you know, my wife and I were at it, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, and and there was a point at which I said, uh, uh, "I don't know about you." When we got it like this, uh, but I've been lying to you because when we go like this at each other. Uh, I'm not angry. I'm hurt. Hmm. Yeah, it's powerful. But yeah, and I told her, I said, there's a lot of people in the world who like me, trust me, think the world of me. Uh, 
enjoy me. And sometimes one of the people I get it least from and want it most from is you. Mm -hmm. And I've been lying to you because I sometimes come off as sort of angry. But what I really am is I'm hurt. But can you feel the power of that? I'm not whining. Oh, I'm hurt. And she's wonderful. And, and, and to her credit, she said, uh, I can be awful with you because I get away with it. If I'm worried about the kids, I take it out on you. If I worry about the house, I take it out on you. If I worry about finances, I take it out on you because I can. And then this is what I said to her. So if you're listening in, you might want to apply this to your relationship. I said, you don't have to change. Um, I just needed to be honest with you. And the reality is that people don't uh, change when something's important to them. They change when they care enough about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's important to me that I eat well and exercise. I don't care enough about it to do a great job. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, I said, we're having this conversation because I just wanted to stop lying to you and you don't have to do anything. And I feel great. <laughs> it just felt it's, better. It's, 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 yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, Nick and Mark. It reminds me of, I, first of all, I relate very heavily to what you just said. But second of all, it reminds me of the, I guess it's not a cliche, but there's this saying, you're never a prophet in your own uh, providence or you're never a prophet in your own kingdom. It, it reminds me of that where it's like, yeah, when I go outside the house or when I take a meeting or when me and Nick do a consult or when I'm on this microphone, I'm a sage to some uh, comedian to others. But anyway, they're listening to me. And then inside my own home, I might not get that. Right. And it's because they know me so well <laughs> that they can dump on me a little bit. A lot of it sometimes, right? And so what you said there was spot on for me. Yeah, and for me and for me, Chris, it's there's two things in there, right? The first one is the age, age old adage, right? Which is the truth shall set you free. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you are able to express the truth, there is a freedom in that, right? You do feel like, oh, there's relief. I'm not lying to you anymore, right? I am my true self and you can see me for who I am. But the other part about it is that the reaction to anger is usually anger, right? Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. it is combative, yeah. right? But the reaction to hurt is usually not anger. It's usually not combative. There's no fight in hurt, right? So as soon as you tell someone you're hurt, they're disarmed, mm -hmm. right? And that disarming, I think, opens the dialogue. It opens the conversation. It opens opportunity for that person to actually sympathize or empathize with you. And that's why I think, to me, again, that's super powerful. It's like you just open the door to a conversation that wasn't going to happen because the door was closed and both of you were banging on it from two different sides, <laughs> right? So I think it's, it's awesome that you shared that. Yeah, and it's and it's different to say, look at them and say, I feel hurt, than saying you hurt me. That's right. Yeah, that's, you got it. Yeah, because when yeah. you say you hurt me, you're not coming at hurt. You're coming. 
uh, with anger. I will share something though that uh, you know, even though we, uh, you know, even though we can sometimes, as the dad or the husband, feel not just like a nonprofit, we can feel like roadkill in our house. <laughs> <laughs> But here's, some, here's something that I coach entrepreneurs about. Uh, because while we're busy f- being frustrated, we get addicted to um, uh, to dopamine of our of our businesses. Oh, we love the momentum. It is wonderful. So one thing that I coach, I say, um, how's, the, how's your marriage? Oh, it's okay. Oh, sounds like it's crap. You want to <laughs> Sorry. You want, you want to improve it? And then they say, uh, I say, you don't have to do this. And I say, uh, go to your spouse if you're an entrepreneur and say, uh, can I ask you a few things? But your tone has to be, can I and not can I ask you a few things? It's can I ask you a few things? And they're gonna be, you know, they're gonna wonder what's going on and then here are the questions have i ever made you feel that you weren't worth my undivided attention and they're going to go what which means yes (laughs) Uh, second question uh, at my worst how bad can i get doing that They're going to start looking away because this is very intimate. Mm-hmm. And then the third question is, take me to the last time I did that. And no matter what they say, even if you don't remember it, let them finish. And they may start crying with relief, not anger. Uh, and they, they may look away because this is kind of intimate. And you say, look at me. And then when they look at you, you say, uh, I did that. I've done that a lot. Um, You deserve better, and I'm going to fix it. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Mm. And you're you're grunting. Some entrepreneurs will say, wow. I don't know if I want us to be that honest. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what the grunts represent. That's yeah. right. It's like you got to mean it. But, but, you know, but that's the, the key, though. You got to mean it. But go ahead. But here's yeah. the thing. Uh, if they start to cry with relief, uh, well, it'll, it'll be a measure of how much you really care about the person because they're not attacking you. They're crying with relief. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to take ownership and think, wow, I... Uh, Look what I've done to that lovely person I fell in love with. And so I wouldn't do it unless you're committed to making it better. Yeah, I, I'm guilty of the of those of the answer side to those questions. And I know the type of responses I would get for sure. And a lot of times when you're not careful, those conversations turn into a bunch of ad hominem attacks or uh, a bunch of straw man attacks where it's like, oh yeah, I was on my phone that day because of this, but you're always on your phone. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and then it, it doesn't have the desired effect. It, it, it devolves. Yeah, yeah. And you can't you can't go into it with your guard up. You yeah, know? It, it's it's a. Uh, I'm just saying it's a game changer. And then yeah. if they get angry, and they're getting angry because you know they're not they're not ready to lower their guard. They've mm-hmm. learned to deal with you by keeping their guard up. So you're giving them an olive branch and you might think, geez, that's a terrible, but if they get angry, even then pause and say, uh, or they might say you always, or you never, you do. That's how you always are. Pause, take the hit. And and this is the killer one. Uh, That's why I'm bringing it up now. Am I too late? Hmm. Mm. You might not want to answer that one. That's, <laughs> exactly. the one you, that's the one you don't want the answer to. Yeah, but you need the answer to it, you right? Do, that's that's, that's yeah. huge. That's a big one. Yeah. So you never knew what we were going to talk about. We were just gonna, so so. Hit me with some of your other questions. I got a lot of stuff going on for the show. I love well, it. it was, I love yeah, it. Well, it was great. Well, you know, we won't keep you forever, but we we were curious how we can support you, what you have going on in the coming yep. year, and. Um, and if you have any insight into what to expect in the coming year uh, from yourself and from the world, maybe from society. Um, I'm an optimist. You know, I can't get up in the morning if I'm a pessimist. Um, and I'm hoping that at some point, I don't know how it would happen. People would get fed up fed up with the anger, fed up with the accusations, fed up with not being able to trust anyone, uh, you know, fed up, just fed up with how things are. Uh, what I'm hoping is a an unknown person will rise, you know, uh, in some political party that that we don't even know about, but is just talking so much sense um i i'll get into marginal politics uh i uh but recently you know the thing with kevin mccarthy yeah 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 yep all the votes mm-hmm. so i wrote an article and the title of it for medium during uh, the voting when they couldn't decide and the title of the article was kevin Maybe they're just not that into you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I wrote is I said, here are the qualities of Vladimir Zelensky. Mm-hmm. And he just hit every quality in a leader that we need. And I and I ended it by saying, you know, in the age of uh, Zelensky where he's a person we can trust, have confidence in, feel safe with, admire, respect, feel inspired by, and like. Uh, You know, I said, in the age of Zelensky, you don't just come up short. You come up pathetic. Yeah, powerful stuff. So so what I'm hoping is that there'll be someone... Uh, I'll share this and then I'll let you go uh, or you'll let me go. Uh, uh, Sometimes when I give a talk and you're welcome to use this because this is a, this is a great opener. Okay. 
I, w- I would say, uh, tell me if you agree with the following. A skeptic is someone who is reluctant to believe. A cynic is someone who mm-hmm. refuses to believe. Mm-hmm. A skeptic is someone who once believed and was disappointed. A cynic is someone who once believed and was deceived and betrayed. Mm. Inside all skeptics, and even most cynics, is a deep hunger and ache to believe again, but to do it without the fear of being disappointed, deceived, or betrayed. Mm. Yeah. Because if you're a cynic, uh, you can keep from getting hurt but you also prevent yourself from getting loved. That's right. Yeah. So how's that if I lay that on you? How's that for you? <laughs> it's, it's a good you, sound, but... You, you, might have already, you might have already made next year's... <laughs> right. <laughs> your inclusion, your inclusion conversation right. uh, an episode just yeah. on that alone. Mark, I, you know, we can't thank you enough for taking some time and and hopping back on with us. And I know you've got presentations, you're, you're a relentless uh, creative and worker. So I know you have some book in the work, some documentary in the work, different ways we can support you. So as those things come about, you know, we're going to be tracking you, but please stay in touch with us. And we'd love to have a round two anytime. And I'll have to, I just want to add something to, to that, which is um, we are going to, we have, uh, we'll continue to take the advice that is written on that wall. We will just listen. Yep. Right. Sometimes we just have to do that. Right. And I, and Chris had mentioned this to one of our previous guests that, you know, we really enjoy our mistakes in the making episodes that we have in that series, because as Chris put it, we step out of the way and we let the guests just speak to a mistake that they've made that hasn't had an impact on their lives. And it gives us the opportunity to just listen. And, you know, we hope that the listeners, you know, the audience out there with the, with our podcast does just the same. Just listen. Don't judge it, right? <laughs> you don't have to overthink it. Just listen, because in the listening, you might find one of these gems like the one you just dropped on us, just because you were open to listening. So we will definitely take the advice, like I said, that is on that wall behind you. Can I quickly leave you with an exercise to help you listen? Please. Go for it. We have a moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the HUVA exercise. You can look up H-U-V-A, Goulston, you'll find it. And it's the best exercise for building your presence in another conversation. So once a day, pick a conversation in which you want the other person to walk away saying, wow, that was great. And so pick that conversation. And then after it's over, you rate yourself as if you were that person, according to Hoover. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do they feel heard out by me versus interrupted changing the subject? On mm-hmm. a scale of 1 to 10, how much do they feel understood by me, which you demonstrate by, by saying, say a little bit more about that. You mm-hmm. go deeper. Mm-hmm. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do they feel valued by me, where you genuinely say, do you know what you just said? Where did you come up with that? And then the final A is on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do they feel you added value to what they said? And don't beat up on yourself, but if you do this intentionally with one conversation, 
a day. By the end of the week, you're going to recognize that those conversations were different from all the other ones. And you'll feel that the other person just leaned into you because they wanted more of that because nobody does that for them. Yeah. Wow. That's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, no yeah. one else is doing it. So, and it tells, it speaks a lot to people's interactions every day and how little it takes just to be different and stand out in their life. Just, you know, ask yourself, do they feel heard? Do they feel understood? It's, it's, it's a big deal. And, uh, I think those are some of the things I learned back in a former life, just selling and being consultative in the healthcare space where I, where I started and doing education and tech where you couldn't, you couldn't tell them where they were losing money until you heard all the drama that happened in between, between the physicians and the nurses. And it's what you said is spot on. So everybody Google that yep. HUVA exercise Goulston and, take heed in 2023 and be a better person for the people you're with. Mark, you're one of the best. We really appreciate it, man. This has been awesome. Again, stay tuned. I'm going to be doing a weekly radio show with UK health radio. It's the leading talk health radio channel in the world. And we're going to launch that. And LinkedIn is going to turn it into a course. Mm. And Harper Collins is going to turn it into a book. I can't give you the title yet but it's a killer title. <laughs> we want the exclusive. So awesome. when you get the title, let, Texas, let us know. That's right. To be continued. Thank yes, you. Sir. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Dr. Thank Mark Olston. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. That's awesome. Hey, you know, I knew Nick that he would, he would come with uh, a million gems. I knew that would happen. It, right. it's the, it's the language he speaks he speaks the language of inspiration so super super impressed look who just dropped in blindsided blindsided by the by the by the dopeness frederick <laughs> yeah there he is yeah the man of the hour look yeah. at this man i just feel like this is like um the overnight <laughs> Dropped in almost like a spider from the ceiling. I'm old, man. Like I'm old. Okay. When I was younger, this would be from the club. But when I was in the club, you couldn't do Zoom. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there that's would right. be this sort of conundrum going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have a space-time continuum problem. It's, it's hilarious that you just said the club, man. It's because. <laughs> It's like, you knew exactly la- what I was talking about, too. <laughs> yeah, man, because it's like, when's the last time you said that to somebody? Yo, like, you know, I was in the clubs, like, I'm a club. <laughs> that's been a minute, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for those of us that know, that's like saying, I'm in the shower. <laughs> 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 now, yeah, man, what's going on, I man? Love, I love the background, see, by brother. the way. Thank yeah. you. Um, this is uh, Tomorrow Pictures artwork. That's actually a photograph that I had taken in um, Nairobi in uh, Kenya. Uh, two kids in a village uh, called Mikuru Kujenga. Um, they're two buddies that were hanging out. It was just a moment where I was able to take a photo and they weren't like uh, paying attention to me. Yeah, I was paying attention to them. 
And it's, it's so crazy, you know, it's so, um, I can say this to you guys, cause it's like, you know, you go all the way over to Africa and you see these kids and you think like people all over the world, they're so different or whatever. And then like, no, they're doing the same things that we did when we were kids mm. as well. Same vibe, same, yeah. movement. you know, it's just, it's so, it's so incredibly, uh, universal. That's why I was just so interested in them because it was just making me think about when I was growing up as a little kid or whatever and what we would be doing and hanging out and stuff like that. And you know, these kids just look like you could drop them right into America, you know? Yeah, because kids, kids are kids. That's that what the kids will be kids. Kids will be right? kids. Yeah. Exactly. That's why they're so important. What, what is, is that? that? Yeah, what is that? Like, how did... How is that? How is that? So I, I, it, it's fascinating to me. I hear that like, okay, regardless of culture, regardless of nurture, kids are kids. Yeah. Because they, they, they come in with the purest sense of form about what life is really all about. They have, they have no bias, hmm. you know, they, they, they have no sort of um, boundaries. You know, no one's taught them, you know, nutrition. And, you know, no one's taught them about the box or the lane mm-hmm. or the role that they're supposed to uh, supposed to play, yeah. you know. And, you know, life is, is not a stage to them it, as it is for us as adults because we live our whole lives performing in front of people they get to just be it's a playground yeah i mean it's just it's it's what we get to in certain moments in 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 certain windows of opportunity when we're talking or we're hanging out with each other whatever and all that other stuff just goes away you know race culture gender social standing who's got what who's driving what car money all and we're just like you know the the urban term for it is vibing Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's the closest we can get to it. You know, yeah, as, for me, I think kids, kids see connection oh, and I think you find connection, out. right. You find connection through play. I think yeah, that, that kids, it, that know? kids don't take nature for granted. That's the big differentiator. Not because they're connected to it. They just came from it. That's yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Whereas we, yeah. we, we feel really, we feel so good about nature when we get it, that we Instagram post about it. We'll take a picture it's of a just, bird. Like, look, that's yeah. a bird. And kids are exactly. like, yeah, they're, they're out here all day. I'm out here all day. And yeah. I think hashtag that's because gratitude we, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag <laughs> gratitude, hashtag nature, hashtag walk in the hills, like whatever, like hiking. Like hiking's been this big thing over COVID. And it's this reconnection to something that's always been there because adult life in a lot of aspects is moving from one box to the next. It's you're either checking a box or you're working in a box or living in a box or you're shopping in a box or you're driving in a box. And the only way to get out of boxes in your life is to be in nature and kids get it. And we forgot it. Now, is there a problem with our, our Western culture here, this matrix that we've created, this false reality that has been <laughs> built on the natives, the indigenous people that we have forgotten about? 
you know what I mean? Like, you know, the no, box that you no, speak 100%. of is very real, very true, but it's yeah. it's it's all created. It's all man-made. It's it, it's all constructed. Well, it's connection. It's it's the loss of connection. That's what it is Absolutely. for me. That's, you know? So as soon as we lose that through all of the boxes and, and social media, which is, you know, in some ways the devil, right? To, to some people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the loss of real con- human connection and i think that's what the the connection to nature is it's there's no different and we are of nature right so when we can connect to each other when we can connect to our surroundings then it's like we want to find community we want to find reasons to keep each other alive and do and make music and play and do all those things but but yeah, we've got too many things now distracting us. And what's funny that Chris mentioned the box. It's like I think about the other box, which is, and you know, Frederick, you alluded to it. Yeah, we buy boxes. So now, like, well, you know, the things that are in the box, you know what I'm saying? Like the Amazon box, the Gucci box, like you know, it's like all the boxes that we have. And yeah, those are the things that are basically creating walls between us and each other. So yeah, can, can I, I mean, translate? That's why it's love. Can I translate ahead, go, go. a little bit further? Frederick, for you, what Nick is saying, let me translate uh, Nick to you a little bit, because I think he I think he broke it down. But I think, Nick, just knowing you the way I know you, you're not talking about the simple act of having coffee with somebody alone. It is that. Right. But it is also this thing that is happening. And, you know, as we speak, there was a story today about a school who has banned uh, physical touch. From its students. Students are no longer allowed to uh, say hello with a hug. They are no longer allowed to date in the school. That is what Nick is further talking about. It's like we have people who want to take away your ability to be warm to someone through human connection and touch, not sexually, just Mm -hmm. through touch because we're human beings. Because that is now taboo. That is now assault. That is now whatever they want to call it. And before it was just a hug or it was just like lean on me. Like what happened to lean on me? Can't lean on me no more. When you're not strong, I'll exactly. be, you know, I'll be your friend. I'll be you know, your but, friend. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I'll like, tell you, man, you know, you know what that is? You know what that's about? I'm going to throw this in there, man. Uh, um, it's this. What do you call it? Like a retroactive or at least looking back, you're like, I can cancel you as a 50 year old because you made me uncomfortable as a seven year old. Mm. Like, think about that. That's what's happening these days, right? You got tweets of people coming out from nine, 10, 12, 15 years ago and getting canceled, right? These people might be totally different people. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're saying saying something you tweeted when you were a child now comes back and gets you when you turn. Right. So now think about it. You're in school and you touch someone. Right. That's the idea. No, we're protecting you guys from yourselves because you mess around and touch someone. And if they just feel uncomfortable. Right. Who knows if they even remember it properly. If it, if it, it was even you 20 years later. That hug, that high five, that fist bump can potentially come back to haunt you. I'm, it's, I'm being ridiculous, right? I'm being facetious. But the thing is, is that that's where we are in this society. That's one of the things that's kind of weird to me is that you can even go back, way back, 
into a person's child, into when they were a different person. Again, we just had this conversation earlier. Chris is not the same person he was when he was 20. Wasn't the, he's not the same person he was when he was 30. This is, this is an evolution, right? Mm-hmm. But then to be able to point to 20-year-old Chris and be like, you know, that's a referendum of who you are today is unfortunate. So, yeah, it's, it's weird, man. I yeah, pray for anybody who grew up on 90s hip-hop. Because <laughs> if you grew up sure. on 90s hip-hop, there's no way you don't have sort of like uh, a, a tolerance for, uh, I don't know, things that would be considered very rapey today. Like, I loved 8-Ball and MJG. Coming out hard could not come out today. Just could right. not. Just could not. Yeah. You couldn't. Dr. Dre couldn't couldn't mush the fake Mariah Carey's face in nothing but a G thing video. Like that would just be, and it was unacceptable then, but like think about the fact that we grew up with that and that was a number one hit. Like, so it was pop culture. It was a pop song. And the problem is, is by the time you're old enough to realize that like pop music is indoctrination, you, you're already like aged out of the relevance conversation <laughs> a lot of times, unless you are a pop artist, right. you know what I mean? Or anything that's like that. It's like, by the time you're old enough to know that porn's really bad for you, it's either already affected you to the point where you can't come back or you're aged out of the relevant conversation for it. And so, uh, look, it's we've had to do some reversing for the good. But then anytime a group gets a degree of power and influence, it always seems like it goes too far. It becomes like the VP of HR at some company. The VP of HR is, is the most hated person in the company because they have all this pseudo power. Not pseudo, but they have power. They used to have power without having rank. It's a very interesting position. They can guide the company. They have the executive's ear. They can ruin your career if you're an underling. You better be nice to them. It's weird. And that's, to your point, Nick, cancel culture feels a little bit like the VP of HR. They're sitting there keeping the company from having fun. But there's a certain level of fun that was had in the 90s that <laughs> probably wasn't cool. I don't know, Fred, Frederick, you, you, you directed all these videos <laughs> back in the, there. He's, yeah. like, he's like, oh, the 90s. Well, he directed all these videos. <laughs> he directed these videos in the 90s. It, it, yeah. I mean, I did a lot of things in the 90s that I will not discuss. On, exactly. No, no discussing, Frederick. No. <laughs> Okay, no. I'm just letting you know that now. Yeah, Attending uh, at every free the day. one, two, three, four, fifth. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, uh, busy Burger King bathroom. There you go. There you go. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Put that's the nineties. That, yeah. that, that, yeah. There you go. That that that's it. The things that we got away with. Yeah. Then that we can't get away with now. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, as we move through time, the plantation changes, the rules change, yeah, the yeah. parameters change, but we're still on the plantation. And don't forget that. You know, you know, we're complaining about parameters and HR or whatever. So instead of getting whipped on a Tuesday, you're gonna get whipped on Thursday and Friday. It's just like <laughs> they just switching it up on you to keep you in line, you know, because they have plans for you. Yeah. Ne- you know? ne- never take right. a meeting, never take a meeting from HR on a Friday. Right. You know, <laughs> nobody's sitting around going like, you know, I'm really looking forward to these people being able to express themselves any way that they want. No, nobody's thinking about that. I- 
The yeah. thing about how can we keep these people on lock? You know? Yeah. And we so have, we have widgets to sell. Yeah. Have we yeah. not always had widgets to sell mm-hmm. since the inception of this country? Yeah. You know, is is Let's is talk well, more we, widgets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we've been given as it has suited the system, you know. That's just how this went down. It's not that Jackie Robinson broke into the major leagues in 1947. It's that the Boston Red Sox didn't get any black players until 1963. <laughs> that lets you know what this is like all about. We grew up as young men with the great debate, oh, could a black person be a quarterback? Yeah. That seems like ancient history now, but we grew up with that. Yeah, it's yeah. not the Now ago. it's normative. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. Cra- it's it's it they decide when things are going to be okay or when they're permissible. When we're yeah. allowed to do stuff, they let us know based on the economics of it. And you I know, do find so- it I do find it fascinating that Lamar Jackson can't get his contract being sort of a dookie braid wearing dark skin quarterback but Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray being light skinned. I love it when you go down this path. Nick, you have to love this. <laughs> like, like, like they <laughs> get their contracts. Yet Lamar Jackson's the most accomplished of the three. I, I know. It's funny. It's I think terrible. it's interesting. You're right. Yes. Well, you know, shocker. It's not about his talent. It's it, not well, about his merits. Say. It's about his ability to navigate and be in the system. He doesn't have a regular agent representing him. His family represents him. He he has decided to bet on himself rather than signing a contract. They offered him one. He said that wasn't enough money. You know, he is taking agency over himself. Where do people go in America when they decide to take agency over themselves? Nike. (laughs) (laughs) after they've been you know excommunicated from the nfl then they get a contract yes or they put them in the ground or they are canceled culture or you know all of the above there's all of these scenarios that come up when someone says i'm going to stand up and be counted and i'm not going to operate within your system and that's what Lamar's doing. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's bleeping up the Ravens season. There's another. Yeah, him that's taking, true. taking care of himself and his family. And that's not what this is about. They're not trying to bring these men of color <laughs> into this professional rank for them to screw up their seasons that are contingent upon ad dollar, television money, all this other stuff. We don't need the amount of money that's going the other way because the Ravens are going to lose in the first round because Lamar's not playing. Mm. That's why the Tua thing is insane. They want him to go risk his the rest of his life for a game he's going to lose in Buffalo. And if he didn't have logic as a coach, then he probably would be put out there. Did you play football? You know how hard it is to, yeah. to hit in the cold and yeah. throw on the ground in the cold? I do. I do. Now to be susceptible to concussion? I do. Oh, come on, man. People, people have asked me what the worst hit I ever took was, and there is one hit that stands out. And 
the two hits that stand out, neither of them were are typical. One was in practice, not even in a game. And the safety just took my head off. The other one was in a wind chill 10 below game at this Brentwood Academy. And one of the players' helmet hit my finger. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I can ever remember that. Like, oh my God. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. What am I doing out here? Why just, am I doing this? Just being I'm too just smart being and too cute weather. to be out here. And then tell two guys to, to, to <laughs> smash two helmets against your finger like that. And then, Absolutely. And then see exactly. if you're okay with it. It's illogical to play football. We know this. <laughs> It's funny, because, it's funny because it's true. Another athlete did this, Kawhi Leonard, who has his uncle as an agent, as an NBA player, and he gets hated on by the media, I feel like, even though he's a two-time champion, maybe three-time And he's a champion. great player. And the, guess what? Super it, great. No one cares how great you are if you try to exercise autonomy. Yeah. yeah. That's not what that sport is about. I thought well, about Lamar Jackson and I Leonard. Yeah, but you said sport, right? And I think that's just that's one area. It's interesting sure. when you extrapolate that and you just look at life that way. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 If you, you step out of the system, regardless of what that sure. system is in life. Right. Yeah, people don't like it. They don't like it. You're not yeah. you're not here to march to the beat of your own drum. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> And, and what's funny about that, man, is that, um, and I just had this conversation with my wife, and it's it's so funny because there's all of this guru talk, right? There's all these people who are like promoting this and like it's uber positive, that toxic yeah, positivity stuff. <laughs> Who's doing it? What's well, the that's it's every person that's doing it's it? Everybody. That's what I'm saying. It's it's the, it's the it's armchair every- guru. It's the armchair guru, right? Where everybody is talking positive, and everyone's like, just be yourself. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, if you're an asshole, we don't want you to be yourself. Right. Like, you know, yeah, you, right. to, you know, like you said, march to the beat of your own drum. You yeah, know? But you, you, exactly. But you can still be the best person in the world and you'll still get stomped out. Exactly. Like, if you got to be careful, there's rules for it. a reason. There's rules for a reason. There's guidelines for a reason. There's systems for a reason. Right. Cultures are defined by tradition. Right. And the guidelines that they set around them. So it is difficult to step outside and expect to get the love from the system, right? Because if you do that, if you step out of it, you're one, you're threatening it, right? You might be, if you're successful outside of the system, then why use the system? Right. And then two, you have the potential to break it. Right. And that's not what the system wants. So yeah, when you see these people kind of working on the outside, that's why the system, which includes more, you know, again, it's the journalists, it's the coaches, it's, everybody kind of in cahoots because they're all in the system. Uh, if you try to break it, then there is going to be some pushback. Like you said, there's going to be some consequence associated with it. Nick, can I take us back 25 minutes? Go for it. Frederick, do you even know why you're on here? <laughs> <laughs> therapy? I thought this was you know? a group therapy Zoom. This was the well, black yes. man yes. group therapy Zoom. We, is, we, what's crazy? We, we honestly need to wait, do wait, this wait. off. Off. I can't believe record. you're not doing it. Like that's what, all what, I'm saying. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. We are going to do it. And one of the things is, is that the previous guest, Dr. Mark Goulston, actually said that we should do this. 
he made the recommendation during his conversation with Chris that like, whether it's, you know, we're, we're dealing with the world of filmmakers, right? Sure. Filmmakers need to have this, yeah. right? Just this, just talk, vent, whatever, just get it out. Right. Because a lot of times we're so focused on the creativity, right. Or making the thing that we forget that we need these times to just talk amongst, talk amongst yourselves, you right. And have that kind of conversation. So, yeah, I think, you know, Chris and I will definitely have to find some really cool opportunities to do stuff like this in a larger group where we just get to talk and, and invent and work things out. Therapy. Yeah. Without the, without the bill. There you go. That's what it is. <laughs> there you go. Officially, yeah. officially Frederick, you're on here because you were one of our audience favorites this in 2022. Oh really? Wow. And this is the year in conclusion episode that we do every year. And we do this because every other podcast goes the lazy way and just does a clip show and takes a vacation. Not us, baby. <laughs> we bring the guests back on, have them talk about their conversation a little bit, ask them some new questions. And I'd love to bring in producer Elise right now and have her oh, play no. one of the clips that uh, the audience and, and we thought was amazingly inspirational, educational, entertaining. Violence always has an agenda behind it. So black filmmakers that make a lot of things with violence in them, I question what their agendas are. Yeah, I think it's interesting and topical based on what we were saying just a moment ago. And before you hopped on, we talked about some of the people we lost in 2022, one of them being Twitch. Yeah. And for me and Nick, he was one of the black focus society that was, could be viewed as a positive role model. And definitely. Yep. And, you know, Nick, you've said this before, like if you go to cmt.com or their Instagram page versus like, let's say a black blog or black magazine, like the source, it's so vastly different, right? Like the source, sure. what were you saying, Nick? The source shows a black person it's either just, being, go ahead. Yeah. So it's, it's not just a black person, right? It's, it's the people in that industry, right. Or in that genre of music, all of the, you see, you know, someone gets shot, someone gets killed. Someone is just coming out of prison. Someone's being accused of something. Someone's going to prison. Right. And then you flip over, like you said, to CMT and someone got married. Someone's having babies. Someone bought their mama a car. You know what I'm saying? Someone's buying a new house. Like, sure. it's crazy to watch the difference between the two cultures of music and, and just see this. I mean, it, it's so stark. And, you know, I was telling Chris, you know, Frederick, I was like, I, I don't even know why I follow the stores. And I think it's because of that reason. It's like, I'm watching this happen just to really soak in the reality of it right like this is legit this is this is this whole music this whole genre this whole culture of people this is what they're talking about on a daily basis yeah who got shot who got killed who's coming out of prison who got accused of insulted whom yeah it's been it's been turned into an entire marketing platform it's they're, they're selling it the same way they sell sex you know, it, they're selling illicit behavior. People like it. It it gets people excited and all fired up. You know, like America is but a how, place how? that loves violence and negative energy. 
But how how is that? That's the part that kills me, right? So, well, it, but it, but how do they enjoy it? Well, because they, they don't know any better. They've been they've been fed it from birth. You know, we have an entire society that's built on violence. I mean, when they got here, they're like, "Wow, all these natives, they gotta go. We gotta figure out a way to get them the hell out of here." And then, oh wait, now that we got them out of here. Now we got to figure out a way to like make this land work for us. We need labor. Okay. We got to go commit another violent act and like forcibly bring human beings over here to like do what we tell them to do, you know, and they've been doing that with every culture. I mean, they did it with Asian Americans in the West and they, they, they did it with the, the conversion of the natives here to, you know, being Mexican, like Mexican is a false construct i mean they're natives who have been told that now you're going to worship this god and you're going to have this name and this is how you're going to do it you know it's just this force of will to get their way you know and so that's what i mean when there's an agenda behind violence we're taught that you commit a violent act for an outcome for yourself that you're going to get something out of it it's not necessarily just totally random it's like you're trying to snatch somebody's chain or you're trying to take somebody's shoes or whatever or why you know you want to get something (laughs) out of it you know and people it's capital gains so they're just you know a lot of these agencies and news outlets and stuff like that they're just reporting on capital gains now in the country music world it's like bought a house all that other stuff that's their capital gains People perceive capital gains in the in the black communities violence, you know, and so that's what's reported on. No one cares about what we do that's positive, like the black kid that graduates at the top of their class or the person that does buy the house or does do the great thing. You know, you do something amazing. No one's going to report on it. But if you go strip butt naked and run up the street, you will be on the news. So whose agenda is it? Is the question that I have. Often, Not ours. Right? Well, that's that's it. So, you well, know, so, well, who writes the algorithms, Nick? Because we obsess the about their agenda. We always are trying to be in their agenda. We're always trying to get in the, in their mix and do their thing and be on their platforms. Yeah. And come on, you guys make films. How many filmmakers of color that are out there and they're like, I want to be on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever. But nobody's thinking about like, what can I do? or What can I be on? That's of my people like Jordan Peele's not going to release his film on Quelly TV right. ever, ever. If he wants to make another one. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's not going to he's not willing to take that risk in his mind. He's right. always going to sell to the highest bidder. Tyler Perry's always going to sell to the to the highest bidder. He could have easily put Quelly TV on because Tyler Perry makes crap and he's got he makes so much crap that he could take some of his crap and put it on quality TV and help bring that network up. And I know I'm being a jerk for saying that. And I don't care if he sees it because he makes a <laughs> lot of crap and he has so much crap that he could take his old crap yeah, and give yeah. it to quality TV and help lift up that network. And he doesn't do it yeah, because and, they and- want to <laughs> be with those people. Yeah. They want to be at the golden globes. They want to be Eddie Murphy trashing 
Will Smith at his worst moment in his life. Yeah. They want to be a part of all that. That's what they're down for. That's what we've Was, was, he, was we've he wrong for that, into. Frederick? Did you, did you feel I, like that I, was just good Eddie. satire, or do you feel like he was wrong for that, Eddie Murphy? He was wrong. He was wrong. Everybody knows Will is was struggling in that moment. Anybody mm. that knows that narrative, yep. anybody that's followed that dude for 25, 30 years, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And him being married to Jada. And if anybody knows the history of Jada yeah. Pinkett Smith and she's notorious, <laughs> she's a boss. Yeah, yeah. 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 She was in his head. I mean, it was all this stuff. You know, yeah, it, it was it was terrible. Like and I, he's I, I do from New Jersey. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. That's why yeah. he did it. Yeah, I you reflect know? on and, it too. And that's his yep. swing at trying to stay relevant. Yeah, you know, and, because, and it's a, he was disrespect. Here, here's the thing. Like I think he was at that point, you know, a low point, and we don't have to get into it too far. But it's just yeah. like he he was broken. Absolutely, and I know that he knows better. Right. Sure. We all know that. Right. But in this situation, he was punked on national television. The only way to not be punked is to step back up. Right. And Chris Rock jumped up. And what happens to punks who jump up? They get beat down. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's just what, that's what happened. He was like, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but you can't do this to me in this situation uh, okay. anywhere. Sure. And I got to step back up. That's fine. Fair enough. But if Brad Pitt made the joke, would he get up there and slap a white man? No. Would he, if it was a uh, Sandra Bullock, would he get up there and slap a white woman? No. Well, look, the, only look, person look. On, the only person on the planet that we can go slap is another one of us. No, 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 no. I think if he had, so I would say, right that if Brad Pitt had done it, mm -hmm. he still would have gotten up and slapped him. Okay. Wow. wow. Because you know why I think that, because I think he was so broken in the moment. Mm. Now here's the difference. Here's now it's an difference. assault charge. Now he's doing time. Okay. So okay. there's a difference. That's what I was going to say is that the security reaction had he slapped Brad Pitt. He might not have got the Brad Pitt. Right. He That's what I'm saying. Like he might not have gotten to him. Like it would have been a totally different situation. I hear you. And it's unfortunate okay. that we've been having this conversation, but it's real. But yes, I mean he might have gotten sniped from the third balcony. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Like, like to Frederick's wow. to Frederick's point, security <laughs> either looking like this between them Negroes. Right? Instead of doing their, <laughs> instead of doing their job, no, right? Like he, security's like, that's between them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nobody's going to get in between to interfere two with black shit. guys fighting. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's just how society is socialized. You but know? yeah, I think I he was somebody say something around Columbus Day, and he, Nick, and, and Frederick, uh, where it's like, you know, Africans landed on North American soil before Columbus sure. did. The only mistake is they just left. <laughs> The only mistake they made is they didn't enough. colonize the Indians. Yeah, because that's uh, just not their vibe. That's not right. exactly. Yeah. That's not yeah. what they do. Only Europeans. Like, hilariously put, like, oh, your big mistake is you didn't have fun and profit off of this. <laughs> no, that wasn't the vibe. Just like, just like Frederick said, it's not the vibe. 
But it's crazy because I think to Frederick's point, like throughout this conversation, like there is a sense that that that's the point. The point is to colonize. The point is to yeah, profit. That's the objective. Absolutely. That's like, why they want. You, that's why people are upset. Two is not playing on Sunday, you yeah. know, and Lamar's not out there on the field. It's to colonize. It is to capitalize. It is to win. That's it. It's to win. Yeah, it's, it's, wins, it's, yeah. You know, it's like I know. I know. Spain's like I know. I didn't fund this damn trip for Christopher Columbus to go over there and come back. Sure. <laughs> and you, you know how you, you know how you know it's a problem because when we do it, they don't like it. <laughs> yeah. When we bring it like that at them, they got a problem with it. Yeah, they then made they a whole movie about it. It's called Captain Phillips. Then, it, then there's an issue, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I you know, you, now. y'all mess around, go out and make a hundred million dollar film and you see how much drama you bring to yourself. You know, and then you own the rights to it and everything and you making all the money. They will show up on your doorstep. Mm. That's not what this system is built for. This system is built so you work for them. You're in their system. You're not supposed to build your own system. That's why we don't own our own sports teams. And that's why we don't even have our own real distribution outlets for our own stuff. Our black content should be on black platforms. And I know that sounds like I'm being a segregationist, but that's a fact. And that's what we need. I would at least say in addition to, yes, Frederick. Yeah, there's no question about it. If we were making stuff with, with each other, and then people had to come to us to get us, you know, how powerful we would be. We run this system. We, we flood it with our IP and they take it and use it and cannibalize it. That's why Kanye's running around butt necking and crazy. Cause he's mad. <laughs> <laughs> he found, he found out. He found he out. He's and then he's trying to blow the whistle and he's like, yo, this whistle don't work. Nah. Like nobody's hearing me. Nah, and he's you going know? in the wrong direction. He got to learn how to, he got to learn how to speak about some things. Yeah, we you talked know, about but, that because it was yeah. like, he, if, if he, if he knew, if he was a better communicator outside of the, outside of music, he's the best musical yep. communicator sure. of emotions. But if he just knew how to do it as a human being, he might've had so many people in his He would be like the new Dr. Yeah, Umar or something. Right. But like you're, that, you're absolutely right. You're one hundred and ten percent right. You mean Colin like Kaepernick of hip hop? A dude like yourself and like Nick and like me. Yeah. The black dudes that people kick to the curb that say we don't like you because you are smart, you are intelligent, you are articulate. We are literally a lost tribe of people, black men who know how to communicate. Nobody's hearing that. Yeah. People hate dudes like us. Come on, man. You walk in the rooms all the time. You walk into a room and people don't want to have anything to do with you. They're like, who's this guy? This guy likes himself and speaks well and is somebody and is confident. And they're scared you're going to take something from them. Yeah, but you listen, know, their but money, listen, their I'm, women, I'm be, the whole deal. I, 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 I know, but I'll be 100% with you, man. All yeah. right. You ready for this? Uh huh. And this is a personal experience, sure. all right? So I'm speaking from my experience. Right. The folks that you're talking about, the they, the them, yeah, those were people who looked like me. The people who didn't look like me were the ones who were like, let this guy in. Look at this. Mm. This is a mm. breath of fresh air. 
This brown-skinned dude can can speak eloquently. He's smiling. He cares about himself. He cares about the way he looks. You know, all these things. It was the folks who look like me. Those were the folks that didn't necessarily want me in the room, right? Or were looking at me a little funny like, no, this guy's trying to be a little too white. You yeah. know, you know, you talk like that, you know, anybody, you know, self-respect Negro talk like that. You know, what's that about? That's been, that it's was a, my It's experience chain gang mentality. It was it's chain game mentality. It's like, I can't trust you unless I can break the law with you. You know, it's, yeah. it's, and it's maybe, unfortunate. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I say, if we make a hundred million dollar like, movie, like Frederick said, just let me do all the talking because about the time they figure out that we're black, it'll be too late. <laughs> yeah, you got got just enough light skin in you, right? Just to yeah, just to make yeah. it work too. Yeah, and yeah, the way so, I talk, yeah, I'll just talk to him on the phone. They won't see my face. Just, you know, that's right. That's right. I got yeah. See, Frederick, I got too much bass in my voice. You know, so yeah, you <laughs> it, are, it throws the whole thing off. Yeah, see, yeah, like, I feel threatened right now. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Frederick, why is the word no more powerful than the word why? Like, why is no? You said no was the most powerful word in the universe. The powerful word in the universe. Because there's a lot of positivity on the other side of no if you have the courage to be able to say it. Mm. You know, when you take a pass on something, you go, no, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? No, I'm not drinking tonight. Or no, I'm too drunk to drive my own car, you know, or no, uh, going out with that person might be a bad idea or no, I'm not riding with y'all tonight. Y'all are kind of a little bit too wild for me. It might not be a good situation, you know, and then you see the positivity on the other side of that. We're like, wow, I'm glad I never dated that person. That person's crazy. Glad I never got in that (laughs) car. That car got shot up. Later that night, whatever, those decisions that you make when you say no are the ones that are the most powerful in continuing to push your life forward. The problem is, is like when you say yes to things, you start going sideways. Think about all those times you said, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll go out with you. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and like get with this young lady for a hot minute, see what happens. And then you're like, oh my God, I regret this. This is such a bad idea. This is so stupid. Why did I do that? Why did I say yes when I should have said no? Yeah. You know, and we need to learn how to say no because that is where the clarity is. That is where the divinity is. The divinity is in no, it's not in yes. That's one of the the, the constructs of, of, of Western capitalistic Christian culture where it kind of starts to fall apart because we're always taught to say yes to things because there's so much opportunity. And yes, if you just do this one thing, this door is going to open up and they're going to yep. give yeah, you an opportunity. It's going to be all this money and these people are going to do stuff for you and blah, blah, blah. And then there you are, like, you know, bent over something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. nothing is happening that's good for you. Yeah. You know, and no is extraordinarily important. And and I think that's what one of the things I admire about um black women have perfected the word no. Hmm. And that is one of the reasons why right now they're getting ahead. It's about the no they've been saying 
over this era that we've been talking about from the vaunted 90s to now, no has been a huge word that they've said over and over and over again. No, 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 no. And initially to their detriment. But now that has evolved into a positive place where we're working in a business now. They don't even care about black men. They're like, we need a black woman. We need a black woman director, writer, producer, <laughs> showrunner, actors, actresses, whatever. They're not even looking for brothers anymore. For what? For what? They don't think about us anymore because black men said yes too much to too many things. And they got into that weird space where they now they're just freaking cartoons and nobody's taking them seriously and they're being lunatics. Where now black women are viewed as leaders, thought and, leaders. Yeah, the number one. You know, uh, and they're the ones that can get it done. They're the ones that are in control. They're bright. They're intelligent. They're articulate. They know what they're doing. And these black guys are just like clowns. Because we said yes too much. Gotta hmm. say no. Yeah, well, it's dangerous like it. to them as well, right, Nick? <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, I like it because, you know, as you're speaking through it, Frederick, it, it kind of makes me think about, um, the, the first thing that makes me think of is a no is a way of setting a boundary. Yes. Okay. I like that. Yes. Um, so a no is a way of setting a boundary. So the more no's you give, the more boundaries you create, which therefore defines you. So if I think about myself as a, as a person, as an entity, when you look at me, right, there's a boundary to where I end, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm all yes, then how do you define me? Right? If you have then how no would boundary, I respect you? If exactly. you give me what so, I want all the time, I'm going to be like, I'm going to run through you, man. Exactly. And if you're all yes, then you can't be all yes for you. Sure. Right. Your yeses might be because you want something that you want to be someone else or you want to go along with something which does not that does not define the boundaries of who you are. So maybe that's why it's the most powerful word is because it literally sets the boundaries of who you are and therefore defines you. Mm. Yes. Beautifully put. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. And we need that's to great. be defined. Okay. Exactly. That's one of the things that really misses that people miss the mark about men of color, mm. you know, being defined, being defined as they, a, they yeah. spend so much time defining us and we don't spend enough time defining ourselves. And when we do, we become so incredibly diverse and eclectic and interesting and yeah. compelling and we're not lumped into the same pile like we're three different dudes it's obvious yeah, yeah. anybody that wants to pay attention long enough <laughs> but if the cops rolled up on this zoom they can't tell the difference <laughs> they don't know. no that's they not true know. chris would get away i'll get away we keep, go, we keep going back to that joke i don't think that holds water anymore I will always, okay? I always this away. isn't 1957 <laughs> he's not skating and i love it that you bring that up somehow he's getting this this half it's like half a ticket. They tear the pass in half. He's not getting the half pass. He's, he's Puerto Rican. 
they almost they can't write me the ticket one like i've heard them over the over their walkie talkies describing me incorrectly like saying they have a mexican or they have a puerto rican <laughs> man and then when they hear me speak they're like they're so embarrassed by it they're like oh we'll let you go well and, and i have <laughs> I, I haven't shared i haven't shared this before uh, I don't think on maybe I have on this podcast at one point or another, but I I, I remember very vividly getting arrested uh, in my twenties, and I was right by my destination, which at the, was my son's mother's house, and uh, I was literally eight doors away, and I get pulled over, and I have an expired driver's license, as one does. And, you know something? I don't feel sorry for you anymore. Okay? <laughs> Everybody knows a black man can't have an expired drive. Right. That's like being a slave without your papers. Your papers. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, can't that's what it, do that. He I was, was trying to slide by on my head. What is that? Are you, and, like, and you think was, you're going to squeak dirty. by on that? I thought I was. I thought I was light enough. And then, and I then, would <laughs> hit you. <laughs> so, so they arrest me. They take me yes. down. They uh, fingerprint me. They do the whole thing with the picture yes. and everything. And then I'm sitting down and the cops are talking to me and I'm just telling them everything about my life or whatever. And the cop turns to me so earnest. It was so sweet. It was almost a hallmark moment. He says, mm. man, if I knew you were this smart, I wouldn't have arrested you. <laughs> but it, it, that's over. That you made my brain explode. That's, that nice. brain explode. that's him just making himself feel better. Yeah. You're and, still getting arrested. Yeah, wow. they let me go. It doesn't change they, anything. They let me go. I didn't end up having to go to court for it or anything. Did you, what'd you pay? I don't think I paid anything. You paid I, but, something. But they were like, oh, I think oh, they were just kind of like, they were just kind of like, oh, oh, this isn't one of those you black paid guys. Something. I ain't uh-huh. ever gotten my money back. <laughs> I was offended. They well, let me, they told I was, me, they I was let me go. Oh, yeah. Here's this number. You call this number. You talk, you get your money back. You, be, <laughs> you don't get your money back. It's a grift. They, let they, me they, go. they, they take about, you know, two grand out of your ass for a mistake. <laughs> And they no, never no, no, give no. your money back. No, 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 no. They take it from you, Frederick. They don't from take you. it from the light skin Chris. <laughs> light skin Chris skates. Yeah. What I, do you get? You get a smoothie on your way out. <laughs> I was still offended, even, even after they gave me the smoothie. So even after you I did get the smoothie, of course, 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 course I got a smoothie. This is bullshit. I can't believe this happened. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I was, I was shocked. I, it, it taught me a lesson. It was kind of like, yes, it's a black thing, but it's also like a, it's, it's the ignorance is deeply ingrained. Like, like, there's a certain type of black person that's kind of being hunted. Like, how many of those kind of black people, the one that's in my mind as a cop, can I take off the street? And what are the variety of ways no, that I can do it? Because remember, it's a, it's a I got pulled over on my street. So they didn't know my driver's license was expired when they pulled me over because it wasn't my car. 
Which is another this reason you can be mad at me. This story gets worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. another reason you can be mad no. at me. No, this, you realize is not my fault. what you're saying. You, yeah, you realize, this is like a comedy. It was like a black comedy. <laughs> Nick and I should be writing, this, writing down this down and just write a script. Okay? I've lived this 10 is lives. Awesome. I have stories like this all A light-skinned black dude with an expired driver's license that's driving, driving a car that's not his. Right. And he thinks he's going to get home. <laughs> right. It should be like one of those weird indie movies. It all happens in one night. That is at a one great night, idea. At one a.m. It is at, at one a.m. Starring Shamar Moore, an aging right. Shamar Moore. <laughs> <laughs> He's too old for the part. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but he's the only light-skinned guy in Hollywood we can That's get. Right. That's right. That new dude from yeah. uh, Insecure with the uh, green eyes. He's in everything. I know what that. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's the new Shamar Moore. We have to get our list of, of light-skinned new... black guys that would be available to us. <laughs> I would like love that casting swing. Me and Nick sitting there drinking out of the same flask. <laughs> there you go. As, like, right. These light-skinned black guys are coming in <laughs> to right. read for this. <laughs> Let's make it and make sure it costs That's $100 right. million. Dollars. Uh, Frederick. It might uh, gross $100 million. <laughs> we need to spend that much if we're going to get a light-skinned guy to be in the movie. White but people would know, love that movie. More. That would be hysterical right. gotta, for them. We got to do it, bro. We got to figure I mean, this it's, out. It's got to be, there's a comedy. They would be yelling, the white people would be yelling at the screen in the movie theater. Oh, he ain't going to get away with that. Uh, I don't believe <laughs> that. No way. Fired license? Right. Like black people in a horror film yeah. when the white girl falls in the woods. It, it completely. <laughs> You'd like the reverse of that. Um, what are your predictions, Frederick? Like, we're in 2023 now. What are your film and cultural predictions for this year? And, and just, to, just to get you out of here before, I don't know, tomorrow at noon. <laughs> exactly. Um, Tyler Perry is going to make a huge run. It's just going to give us all a headache. Mm. He's going for it all. He's making this movie about World War II with um, Oprah and Kerry Washington or whatever. And he's just continuing to bite off more than he can chew. That's uh, going to be, I don't know. I, I just, when he's trying to do serious films, they just seem to be like a big epic fail. I don't understand why he does them. And he needs to be the director. I think that if he produced them and he brought in great writers and other great directors of color, I think he could create some magic. Um, I, I think one of the things in 2023 that you might see and write it down is that not mm. the end of Tyler Perry, but sort of that wheezing on the back end where it's like, he needs to diversify a little bit more and get out of his own way and bring in some other talent. He's getting too big to do it all himself. Right. Um, and I find that to be a very serious concern um, moving forward uh, as, as well. I think one of the other things, more horror, like 2023 is just going to be the year, just like horror, you know, horror down your all down your throat. Like it's just going to be horror movies, horror movies, and they're just going to make a ton of money. And people are just going to fart out these horror movies, and they're just going to make money. <laughs> and that's just what we're doing. And we're not gonna we're not gonna really change that uh, as as well. And I do think that there's a lot of opportunity that's going to come out of Nashville moving forward as well um, on a more eclectic level. 
Um, I think they're going to start to really give Atlanta a run for their money. And I'm very excited about that is okay. too. Um, I know that a lot of people sleep on Nashville, but Nashville has all the pieces to the puzzle to make it work. They check all the boxes. They just need the great creative and the vision and the independent minds. And I just think that Nashville is more open to that than Atlanta is. And Atlanta is just going to continue to circle in this heavily urban world mm-hmm. and okay. not really open itself up to new constructs and new ideas or our bigger thinking, higher thinking, black futurism, or just anything other than like stuff coming off the block. And mm-hmm. I think as long as they keep doing that stuff, they're going to be where they are. Um, LA is still going to stay on life support. I don't, I don't see that changing where there's this really marketable ascension back to glory. I just think it's impossible because it's, there's just so incredibly landlocked. They just don't have the, their finger on the pulse anymore of what people want to look at, what they want to see, what they're really into. Now, I think that if LA pivots into Asia, if they really brought a lot of influence from Asia, specifically China, Japan, Korea, India, stuff like that, and became like West Coast Asia, they could kill it again. But are they ready to do that? I don't think so. Probably not. And then Dick Wolf will continue to make shows out of Chicago and just make all the money. (laughs) <laughs> and just make, make shows that you'll never watch, but he'll make all the money. Mm. Um, I think your dark horse here is New York, back mm. in the Northeast. They're building Netflix studios now in New Jersey. I think that is something to take very seriously. I do believe that the Northeast is going to make a comeback, and it's going to be one of the greatest comebacks in Hollywood history. And I think that they're really going to kind of take back what they lost to the West Coast. I think that's where a lot of this stuff is is headed. And I think some of these smaller markets are going to continue to benefit from it, whether you're talking about St. Louis, you're talking about Kansas City, you're talking about, you know, Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland, you know, Chattanooga, Birmingham, um, uh, Charleston and places like that is as well. There's some really Birmingham's another one. Um, there's some really great smaller markets that are happening. Um and Florida is just going to sink into the ocean as well. Mm. Like nobody's going to deal. <laughs> nobody's dealing with Orlando. That's dead and is dead, dead. And if you're not working for Disney, there's nothing happening. Or going and, to Full Sail University. Yeah, we're going to Full Sail University. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Miami's just Miami, you know, and it, Miami yeah. does what it does. But as far as like being an entertainment center, not really. It's an event center. It's a really great place to showcase and floss and post up and a lot of other stuff. But as far as like marketably something that's going to gestate great new creative and, you know, until Texas gets it together socially and politically, they're just, they're effed. Yeah. You know, they got yeah. too many people mm-hmm. of color there to be trying to keep all those people down. And it's just not going to work out for them as much as people are like, oh, my God, Austin so amazing. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen because it's like they're not they don't respect everybody down there. And it's really tough to get it going there. 
you yeah. know, and, and Dallas is just, they just waste money because they're just a city in the middle of a state that's really culturally biased. Yeah. And, and through, all, and through all these predictions is, is money and politics. Like absolutely money. And, and, and that's mm-hmm. the theme when you're asking me, what about 2023 money and politics, it's all going to be tied together. And in money and politics, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And we're going to see who's going to come out on top as, as winners. And if Nashville can steer clear of a lot of the politics, they can be winners. But if they start tangling themselves in this politics stuff, they're going to choke themselves out. In Tennessee in general, I mean, you talk because you mentioned Chattanooga as well. And there's Memphis who has like the longest. Memphis state. is another one. Executive Memphis is a great director. dark horse. Yeah. yeah they if got I had Memphis all the money in the world, I'd go to Memphis. I'd go to Memphis <laughs> and run the whole town. If yeah, I, I mean, it's, kind of it's possible. Indy Memphis, a great festival down there. They've got uh, Miriam Bell, who's uh, as creative director. She's just like a genius yeah. and has uh, been on the cast and it's amazing. But the thing about Tennessee is they have $15 billion of surplus and they won't spend it. And I think if it doesn't happen for Nashville, it'll be because the people in charge of that surplus won't give you know, one tenth of one percent of that, or something like that, to uh, the creators uh, in the indie space to sort of build the the crew workforce around it, and they'll and they'll try to close shows like Nashville or um, Bluff City and things like that. I look at California in a in a similar way, but opposite, Frederick, where it's like they're so in debt as a state, right, that they don't have any more free money to give out, and so therefore they become less attractive to people wanting to pick up everything and move there to be in the industry when they know they can just move to Atlanta and then New York officials will never freaking admit it. But the exodus from New York over COVID means they have more money per person they've ever had in the last 50 years. And that might drive their comeback. I think that New York is offering companies, you know, you don't have to pay taxes for 10 years if Mm -hmm. you move your company in New York. New York is going to figure this thing out and Atlanta is a clown show. It's, it's a clown so show. It's an uncreative clown show. Nobody's doing anything there that means anything to anybody except like, oh, they're trying to make some money here. And that's a problem. And in Atlanta, everybody's chasing and following the trends. And the people leading the charge are the people that look like us. Yeah, well, which let's makes make sure this, we lead the charge. Yeah, it makes yeah. it a very tenuous situation. And so it's not attractive to do anything that's visionary or anything that's indie related. You can't make a million dollar, two million, three million dollar film in Atlanta. Nobody cares because everybody's trying to work on the big money shows. Yeah. You know, so it's difficult to have vision there. So you've got to drop back or fall back into some of the other markets where you can get those kinds of things done, where you can make some meaningful films for one, two, three million dollars that could grow 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars, because that is the reality of where we are as people in this business. It's not the big money. We don't get the big money. You know, that is elite space. Only a few people of color are operating in this hundred million dollar and above category. Most of us are in the small indie category. So we've got to make small films and meaningful films that have legs and that have the ability to have reach. 
And we're not working on that enough with a lot of people. And we're not developing a lot of new filmmakers that want those types of skills. These new filmmakers that are coming along, they want to make like big money, big shows, and they want to hang out and walk on red carpets and hang out with the Kardashians, you know, <laughs> or they want to copy the, the the Tyler Perry thing, which is not the thing to do. Well, he is an not. anomaly. Yeah. He is an anomaly. He has gotten away with something that we all missed out on. We didn't think that up back in the day. Hey, we're going to take yeah. these like Chitlin circuit stage plays. <laughs> we're going to turn them into movies because yeah. if I could get in a time machine and go back 15 years to you yeah, guys and be yeah. like, Hey, I'm doing this Chitlin circuit thing <laughs> yeah. and I'm making movies. Y'all have laughed in my face. Yeah. You'd have yeah. been like, get out of my face. I'm not lowering my bar for that. He was cool with that. He has no shame to his game. And guess what? He made all the money. Well, yeah, and also you can't cash his lottery ticket. You know, people always you think can't cash it twice. you can cash yeah, a lottery exactly. ticket twice. You can't it's cash over. a lottery he's ticket twice. He's got it. He's, yeah, he he's building entertainment centers and like condos. He's building a whole, you know, ecosystem on the south end of Atlanta to just rule like a king. And he's building an <laughs> airport and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah. Is that going to end well? Probably not. He's doing what the Waltons did in Fayetteville, Arkansas. They just, they yes, just yeah. they, they literally, that town literally exists because they needed an f- easier way for executives to fly in. To sure, Walmart that's what he's. That's exactly what he's doing. He's Charles Foster Kane. He's Citizen Kane. That is what he, he's. Citizen yeah. Tyler. That's what he's doing. And is that going to end well? Probably not. Is he ever going to win an Oscar? Probably not. Is he ever going to be considered a great director? Probably not. Is he ever going to be considered a great writer? Probably not. Is he ever a great actor? None of that. It doesn't matter. He makes the system money and that's all that they really care about. And we're just in this era now of the system isn't interested in new black art or new black ideas. They love recycling the old stuff. They're so good with the old stuff. Yeah, with just the, the, the status quo, the stereotypes or whatever. You know, they would shoot us dead if we walked into a development meeting with a new fresh idea that's like, okay, we got this thing about these black people and they're on the moon. They'd shoot us in the face. Black on the moon. Black people don't go to the moon. What are you talking right. about? You know, we're trying to do this like hood thing, you know, right. like whatever. We're trying to get Issa Rae something or, you know, Ryan Coogler's directing Black Panther 6. Yep, there you go. That's what they the want. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's it, what they want. What, what kind of is interesting because in the, in the original Black Panther, because it spoke to the sentiment of the black community, which is like, like we wish this fake place was real, even though it was a dictatorship. Uh, like it's a, it's a really, there's a sadness in it, but you know, it's also a comic book. You did mention like turning to Asia. And I spoke to a writer in Canada named Brandon Rhinus yesterday. And he talked about this marketplace called ink tip where mm-hmm. writers are posting their screenplays there and China is coming in, buying these mostly horror and, and mm-hmm. um, comedy screenplays, no, horror screenplays, and maybe action slasher type horror screenplays for like mm-hmm. five grand. And then they're punching them up when they take them to China and making American style movies. So oh, yeah. they're already backdooring oh, yeah. the system oh, in yeah, this really cool yeah. way. And those sure. writers have never got money for anything they've written 
So yeah. five grand's an enormous amount of cash. Exactly. Well, especially For if them. they can continue to do it. You make, you it's know, five you, grand. Man. It's all minimum. You just keep making it's, them. It's, but you just keep making them and making them you know? making that money. Right. Because the thing is that five grand is nothing. Exactly. Right? To the to the folks who are buying it. And then you have to make any of them. Make one out of fifty. Uh-huh. Right. That's what exactly. they're doing. They're buying it up and they make one out of 50. Right. So no, it's, a, it's a great. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Korea has been bleeping us from the back for how long with our music? And they've created an entire genre of Korean pop based on boys to men. Yep. Yep. Boys, you know what I mean? like, boys to men literally Jodeci. went to Japan. Like they basically just came in and just like tore the page a, book out of the 90s and created so they, we went over It's a true story, Frederick. It's true. Yeah. Boys to men. Boys to Men yep. lost their record deal in the U.S. because yep. they made an album that the U.S. wouldn't release. They went to Japan where they would release the album, and they stayed over there working for a while. They did a documentary in South Korea. Yep. They they produced albums for Korean and Japanese artists. They have a Christmas album that came out in Japan only, yeah, and then before right. you knew it, sure. explosion. All these guys are singing R&B now. Asians know black people are the truth. They know it. And they're all about it in the music. They've gotten all up into the film and they're building infrastructure in Africa. Asians know black people are the truth. They're cool with it. They're just like, how can we get in on this? We want to make this work. <laughs> and like Nick said, they're getting it at bottom basement prices. That's right. Or a bucket of chicken, knows he's they can get check. some, uh, <laughs> you know, intellectual property from the black community. We sell go. ourselves cheap, man. We don't need, we don't ask for a lot because we don't have a lot because we don't yeah. know a lot. We haven't been exposed to a lot. So $5,000, you wave that in front of the face of a struggling person, a caller in America, they gonna take it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, Brandon is a white guy, but he is also Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> How does that even? <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. You're right. Frederick, nice. This has been illuminating, fascinating, yeah. entertaining, inspiring, Absolutely. and Anytime. educational, as I knew it would be, my friend. Anytime, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. I can't yeah. thank you enough for coming by, celebrating yourself, tar on tar, right? Like, this is uh, Frederick on Frederick. So <laughs> thank you. So yeah, yeah but I hope it was a good right time. Here. Yes, I appreciate it. I do want to plug one thing. I have a film, Pre-existing Freedom. It's just released on Amazon. Um, it's called Discovering Indie. It's a series. I am uh season seven, episode five. five. Yep. Yes. So I am interested in people uh seeing that. It seems to be gaining some traction. And um, it's eligible for an Emmy this year, so I'm going to submit it and see what uh, see what happens. Awesome. Do your thing. Say, I just say, I just one, did one more my... time. Just say oh, the name. Sorry. Say oh, the name ahead, one Nick. more time. I'm sorry, we stepped on. Yeah, stepped... Say, yeah, say the name one more time so we can get it. Pre-existing freedom on uh, Amazon Prime, and it's called Discovering Indie. Is the program, and it's season seven, episode five. Perfect. There you go. We just we just did our voting for on the PGA on Producers Guild, and I don't know if we get to influence Emmy voting at all. I need to like email some people, but if so, and if I could, you'd have my vote, of course. Thank you. Stuff Absolutely. that ballot box. I ain't playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, done. <laughs> 
Frederick, Emmy. Second Emmy. Let's go. Let's go. Second Emmy. Let's go. I'm ready for it. Exactly. So I'm ready for it too. So I'm looking forward to getting some things done um, in this coming year in 2023 that are you know, some of it is Nashville and I'm really kind of eyeballing Kansas city as well. My long shot, my, you know, home run is uh, Kansas city. I'm really excited about the idea of going there and shooting some stuff that's more indie based. Cause I just, I know a lot of people and I can get away with a lot shooting in Kansas city as well. So I'm kind of interested in that too. I want to see what I can do um, out there. Uh, as as well, but I'm kind of in this like scripted, edgy space right now. You know, taking a lot of these documentary sensibilities and cultural sensibilities into scripted and kind of mixing it up culturally. Yeah. So that's my Hello. thing. As you make stuff, man, let us know. Obviously, we're going to yep. keep tabs on you. Would love to have you back on a, as a guest on one of these Anytime. indie talks. And um, we also have a series that we're going to do a lot of this year called Mistakes in the Making. You might have heard a few of them, but you right. would just be absolutely perfect for it. You know, me and Nick step out of the way and you just talk about an experience that you had that made you a better creative, but you couldn't see it at the time. And uh, it's so valuable for the listeners of of this podcast and and for any creative at any level of experience. Yeah. It's just me sharing things. stories about yelling at white people. That's it. That's what we <laughs> want. And that was actually our working title. And then we I regret them all. I regret them all. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get anywhere in life yelling at white people. I just want to put go. that out there. I like all it. You kids. Uh, sage advice. Yes. Yes. Sage advice for a changing world. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Frederick, cool. we love you too, man. All right, yeah, love you guys. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right, you guys take right, care man. of yourselves too. Be safe. Yeah, you too, man. Talk to you soon. Easy. Both hey, of y'all. We're gonna hang out. Yes. yes. We're gonna hang out. All right. Let's do soon. it. All, All right, right, my brother. All right, peace. Well, that wasn't that that was um exactly how I expected. More than what we asked for, but in the best possible way. But everything that we wanted, right? Like but everything that's that we it. wanted, yeah. That's right. That's perfect. It, it was wonderful. It was it was it was so good. And um, I would want everybody to go out there and check out on Amazon Prime pre-existing freedom um, indie stories season seven episode five support don't just say you support independent filmmakers and creatives go out there right. and actually support independent filmmakers and creatives and now as we wrap up this incredible and this has the girth <laughs> of a year in conclusion episode the it girth does, and the does. of yep. <laughs> a proper year in conclusion episode and unfortunately uh we mentioned this already if we could and we had time we would have every guest from 2022 on the podcast but alas uh all of them have something interesting to say and we'd be here until next week if we brought them all on right. uh, evidenced by just like, like Frederick alone, he has so much to offer that went by like that. I had no idea how long we were talking. I mean, I did because <laughs> I'm kind of producing this thing, but I didn't, <laughs> want him to, I didn't want him to stop is what I'm saying. Right. right and if right. we had everybody on even a fourth guest, it would be just like this mega episode. So also it would be like a Dan yeah. Carlin episode. And, and I, you know, we, we, don't necessarily do that here yet, although we have <laughs> right. had some pretty long conversations, but I think, um, I think those three were great picks. So yep. appreciate everyone for listening to this podcast in 2022. 
being such a important part of the success of the podcast. We were incredibly successful this year, not just in the guests, but also with the engagement and also just on the, the charts. I mean, for a little podcast that, that has a small staff that isn't part of a big studio, and this audience knows this about us, we're not part of a big studio. We're not signed by iHeartRadio or Spotify. You know, this isn't uh, NPR and this, this, this isn't, you know, This American Life. We don't have, uh, you know, some professional studio in the middle of New York with a staff of 20 people that are all on salary. So when we find out that, you know, we ranked, you know, 20th in the United States in, in film, we're blown we'll away it. by that. When <laughs> yeah, we found we'll out last it. week that we're number two in Nigeria, we're blown away by that. Top 10 on a regular basis in Canada, Canada. and in Germany and Brazil. And that's thanks all to uh, you wonderful listeners that are taking this journey with us. And please continue in 2023. We have so much awesomeness in store uh, in a variety of ways um, for this audience. And I know that you guys are counting on us to be a credible place to go and listen and take advice and get inspiration and education. And we don't take that responsibility lightly whatsoever. So we want to just keep winning on your behalf as well as our own and, and keep providing a different viewpoint, a different POV for the indie filmmaking experience than what's already out there. And so if you want to stay uh, aligned with us, that's easy. You can do that by finding us on social at underscore bonsai creative on Instagram and on Twitter. You can search for bonsai creative or the make it or the make it podcast on um, Facebook or TikTok, and we will come right up there. And then our favorite spot is YouTube. Our YouTube page is absolutely gorgeous right now, and it's <laughs> fun. I, sometimes I just go on the YouTube page just to have fun because uh, we have so many cool videos and little things that sort of autoplay when you go there, and it's a good listen and a good watch. So yeah. please support us on YouTube, and we'll be just feeding that beast in the entirety of 2023 and beyond. If you want to reach out to us directly with comment, that's easy as well. Contact at bonsai.film. Yes, that's an email address. And you can reach out to me directly on Twitter at Flame in Your Heart, or you can just search Chris Barkley. I should just come right up. You can get in touch with Nick directly with all your complaints and suggestions for him uh, <laughs> at Nick at bonsai.film. And if you want to know everything about the Make It podcast and Bonsai Creative, you can go to www.bonsai.film. And with that, Nick, please, for the last time in, I guess, <laughs> un unofficially 2022, leave us with the credo. Of course. And you know, I'll have to just echo you know, everything you just said. And so happy for the guests that were on here today. So happy and blessed and grateful for a wonderful 2022. So thankful for all the people that we have on this team. You know, we have Elise and Papa Bear you know, folks who have supported us like Jason McConnell, you know, Maddie, you yeah. know, a little Maddie in there, you know, got to throw to Matt Williams. Um, but all, all of our friends, you know, who really supported everything that we do. And of course our family, um, you know, who deals with some of these, yeah, who deals with some of these late nights and of course our paid contributors and women in film and television who serves as our fiscal sponsor. You know, we appreciate all of you for who you are, what you do and the support for us. Uh, but as we go into 2023, 
I do have to say to the filmmakers out there, be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening, Nick. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. We'll do it again, man. Peace. All right, brother. Take it easy. Hey, gang. One more thing before you go. I want to talk to you about Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it's completely free. So join today at www.bonsai.film. It just takes a few seconds, and once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails, just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need. And if you ever tire of Indie Insights, we hope not. But if you do, simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So, one more time, go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights for free. And thank you for listening. <laughs>